It's Sunday, I don't feel nearly awake enough. It must be time for a new episode of My Big Fat Mouth. And it is indeed time for a fresh episode of My Big Fat Mouth. I experimented last week with just shifting the structure of the show around a little bit, and I think I got to something that I really, really like. But it's not actually what we did last week. Uh, Talking about a main topic solidly for about an hour... um, Look, I can do it. (laughs) Um, I I can natter about most things that I'm interested in for an hour, no problem. But it's probably not the most entertaining the cast can be. But what I realized was there was something in the original cast format that really kind of let down the rest of the cast. And that idea of a main topic could form a really good replacement for it. So that is the rant. Uh, let's cut to the chase. Let's let's talk about it quickly. The rant, um, it's it's very simple. It's it's a personal development thing. It's a it's a being better thing. Um, I am a very emotional person, and when I have a structured section in my podcast that is designed for me to rant, that is an an open door. If I'm feeling really negative, if I'm feeling really shitty, if something's upset me, to just scream into the ether and and be overly negative um and that's something i don't like about myself that's a trait that i've been trying to work on for a long time now um a lot of that over emotionality is because of my adhd and i accept that it's really hard to control and keep in check um i'm not medicated for that so like i get the you know i'm gonna slip up i have to put control measures in place to prevent myself from slipping up um, and, but that also means that I need to not give myself open opportunities to just be a negative dick, because even if I don't, you know, even if I don't like mean it in the sense of like I don't really want to be that way, it's still a drag for other people to listen to. Um, and I sort of have looked back over a lot of the rant sections in the casts, and I just feel like more than a couple of them were a bit more negative than they needed to be. Um, I know that's a personality flaw that I have. I know that I should do things to not leave myself open to expressing that too much um, because I don't think it's helpful for the audience and I don't actually think it's helpful for me. I don't think it does me any good to be overly overly negative because I'm not really a negative person. At heart, I'm a really positive person, but, you know, if I'm feeling down about something, it just kind of spills out and that's it's it's not great it's not really what the cast is for um it's not really what i've ever wanted the cast to be about so from last week's experimentation combined with what we already knew um i'm gonna have a shot this week at just replacing the rant with that main topic section instead and we'll see how that sounds we'll see what people think so please do feedback to me as i said last week please do feedback to me what you think of the episode if you enjoyed it if you like the structure of it uh, i already got some feedback from last week's episode which was what made me sort of make another reshuffle but we will find it we will find the the exact format we will find what works it will happen i assure you so let's get on with our first topic folks let's uh, barrel headlong into it and let's talk about what i've been up to uh, so, uh, what are you, what have you been up to, mate? What have you been up to? 
Alrighty, let's talk about what I've been up to then, folks. Uh, so, first and foremost, I'm just trying to kind of see past my microphone here, just down to my desk. There we are. Um, so, first and foremost, I finally started this commission for Njarl Stormcaller. Um, it's the metal one, uh, and, and it's on a custom base. And I've tried a bunch of really, you know, things that I haven't tried before on this, which we're actually going to talk about later, which is one of the reasons I wanted the model at hand for the cast. Um, but yeah, this has it's got metal filings on it where I, uh, where I drilled his foot out for the pin to the base. Um, this has been an amazing learning opportunity for me, and I've been having an absolute fucking stack of fun with it. So I wanted to mention it as a thing that I've been up to because it is a thing that I've been up to that I've been having a really good time with. Uh, it's a beautiful miniature, obviously, and like I said, I've taken it as an opportunity to do some things to push myself. Um, it's a commission for one of my customers who has had a few pieces by me now, and um, he's one of he's one of my customers who I think he's as good a painter as I am, personally. Uh, when he's when he's doing his best work, it looks, in terms of quality, very similar to my best work. Um, I don't think he necessarily thinks that, but I feel like when he commissions me, one of the main reasons he commissions me is because he likes my style. So if there's things that I've been kind of experimenting with but haven't yet tried on a commission that are really pertinent to my style, um, but I think, you know, we'll just give him that little 10% extra of lovely, then... I tend to now sort of try to use his commissions as an opportunity to do that because he's a sick painter himself and I want to impress him, you know? I want him to look at miniatures that I've done for him and gone, oh yeah, I can see how much fucking effort went into that. Like, I can see that you you really tried to make that special. Um, so there's been some experimentation on it and that's been really, really fun for me. Again, I don't want to go into that too much because that is something I want to talk about later in one of the other sections. Um, but it's been a really good time. I've been enjoying that a lot. I will probably finish it the next time I pick it up. I would say it's probably about three quarters done now. Um, it needs sort of assembling and varnishing and then the metallics need doing and then it should be good to go. What else have I been doing? Um, I've been brewing Iron Warriors for 40k. So um, I kind of... I looked at my CSM army, my Chaos Space Marine army, which is word bearers, as a lot of you know, and it, there's just it's playing a lot of the units that I really like, which is cool. Um, that's great, but it's also playing some units that I'm sort of not as high on these days. Um, things that are like good on the tabletop, but aren't necessarily miniatures that I am super keen on. Um, namely, I'm thinking of like the Lord Discordant and the um, Venom Crawler, <clears throat> and it's also playing one of the old Dreadnoughts. It uses like the Venerable Dreadnought miniature. Uh, those are all miniatures that I sort of... I don't hate them. I don't dislike them. But having painted them, I'm sort of a bit over them. Um, the Lord Discordant is like... It's a cool miniature, but it's kind of... It's the Hellstalker that's really cool. The Lord Discordant itself isn't... You know, it's not particularly anything interesting and special. It's it's the Hellstalker that he rides that's cool. Um, but it's a nightmare to paint. And the same thing goes for the Venom Crawler. Like, I really... 
uh, kind of gassed out on painting those. And what I sort of wanted to do was maybe drop the Dreadnought, do a little bit of tweaking and fit in a second Venom Crawler. But I ended up just really not liking that idea because it meant painting another Venom Crawler and it was not fun to paint. It was really fucking miserable to paint. Um, and so that army, I, I don't think I'm going to want to do a lot of swapping and changing with it because the theme that it's got... Um, anything extra that I were to add to it, I don't think I would have a great lot of fun painting. But I still love CSM. Um, and one of the things about CSM that I do find a chore when painting is all the trim. That's kind of the thing. I think most people, it's, it's almost kind of a meme, I think most people sort of don't love painting all that trim. I needed a sip of coffee there, sorry. But if you watch my Iron Warriors speed paint video that I did recently, which was just me basically color scheme testing some stuff, you know, learning a bit and using that as an opportunity to make a video. Um, if you look at that video, one of the things that I figured out was a really easy way of tackling the trim. It's like so, so much simpler um, doing the trim that way. And I sort of thought to myself, I could probably stand to paint another Chaos Space Marines army if the trim was all that simple. And that would give me an opportunity to pick up some more of the units that I really like, but not have to mess with the theme of my word bearers army because the theme of my word bearers army kind of works it's all supposed to be you know hell forged and demonic um and and very representative of the word bearers embracing of the chaos gods um whereas iron warriors thematically uh is just a lot more about kind of big guns and that sort of thing um also you like the way i've got the word bearers configured they're really good for close combat whereas the way that i would want the iron warriors configured they would probably be more really good for shooting so it would much like with my loyalist armies where i've got ultramarines and blood angels so that i've got one that's good good for shooting and one that's good for close combat i'd be able to do the same thing with chaos space marines and then whichever army i'm in the mood for playing whether it's shooty or close combat i would have the option so that was what brought me round to iron warriors um and it's it's been interesting so far working out the list working out what i want to buy originally i had my eyes on the holiday box um because i really fancied both havocs and uh i fancied a couple of forge fiends and there's havocs and a forge fiend in that box it's actually looking a lot more like the start collecting box is going to be the way to start from now because after testing the list that i wanted to do i was doing master possessions with cursed earth um is it demonic power the other one that powers up demon engines um and then like the demon smith warlord trait and keeping uh a couple of forge fiends by him and it just wasn't really effective and we sort of looked at it and figured out that defilers would probably be better because they're still demon engines so they still benefit from all of the same things um but you know they can also sort of advance up the battlefield and get into combat and still be useful like they're good at both um plus they've got battle cannons on them and battle cannons are just fucking sick like who doesn't love battle cannons um so after playing a game a 2k game um again more on that later sort of figured that out we've done some revisions to the list um and yeah i've been having a really good time just sort of brewing around with iron warriors uh, again you know this is this is another one of those subjects that i'm going to talk more about shortly so i don't want to go into too much detail on, but i've been brewing iron warriors that's what i've been up to um and then the final thing is i have started painting and again i'll just reach across my desk here 
I've started painting this Halfling Blood Bowl team at last. Um, these are the first two. I'm just waiting to hear back from the customer um, on whether he's happy with what I wanted to do for the basing scheme. But this is the first two done. Um, there are, I think, 12 more over on the window ledge over there uh, that have all got their flesh tones and their blacks already done. So I've just got to do the whites and the blues on them. Um, <clears throat> so that's well underway. That's a commission that I'm going to start sort of heavily chipping away at over the next uh, couple of weeks um, and that's also been really fun just because it's it's something different I've been wanting to to paint stuff that's that's different lately you know not do too much of the same thing all the time um, so that's been fun and interesting um, and and you know I, I, I've said a couple of times now that I want more Age of Sigma stuff um, I know Blood Bowl is obviously set in the old world it's not exactly Age of Sigma but it is still you know of that fantasy bent it's not 40k I do feel the channel is a little bit oversaturated with 40k based stuff at the minute and it'd be nice to just mix it up a bit more so you know that can only be a good thing um, so yeah that's what I've been up to let's now talk uh, quite briefly about what I'm high on right now <sighs> yeah what am I high on right now so yes, the reason I sort of stopped myself from talking too much about Iron Warriors is because they were actually what I wanted to talk about for the what I'm high on right now section. Um, I've found a list that kind of thematically feels like it fits Iron Warriors. And that list is just all miniatures that I wanted to pick up and paint for Chaos anyway. Um, it's like there's almost no overlap in there with stuff that I already own. In fact, there might actually be no no there isn't no overlap because there's cultists in both lists but but there's almost no overlap um between stuff that's in my word bearers list and that really excites me because that's a whole new bunch of um <clears throat> chaos space marine stuff that i get to enjoy albeit just in a different color scheme uh so let's do some comparatives let's talk about why i'm excited uh the hqs for the word bearers list are a Dark Apostle and a Demon Prince, obviously. Word bearers, that makes a ton of sense. That's pretty much exactly what you should have as your, uh, you know, as your Word Bearers HQs. Uh, whereas conversely, the HQs for my Iron Warriors list are a Chaos Lord. I'm going to use the guy that's got the Thunder Hammer, because I just think he's so fucking menacing looking. Complete waste of points. It's like 40 points to stick a Thunder Hammer on a Chaos Lord. Massive waste of points, but it just looks fucking cool so that's a thing that's happening um and then we're having a master of possessions and that master of possessions is going to basically be um he's he's the warlord he uses the demon smith warlord trait I, I did mention this earlier then he has cursed earth and demonic power um and and the idea is that we have this little sort of castle which can move that consists of two defilers and a decimator uh, Decimator's got double butcher cannon. Defilers have both got twin las, battle cannon, uh, and twin link heavy flamer, which is fucking so good, just so good. Um, then it plays two Heldrakes. I thought Heldrakes wouldn't be good this edition, but like at the moment, as Chaos Space Marines, engage on all fronts is one of the best things you can take because you don't have. Unless you're, like, Death Guard, you don't really have anything that's resilient that you can park on an objective, and, and it has obsec. Um, so it's kind of better to play this sort of highly mobile game. Um, 
and this this one thing that Helldrakes are really good at. Uh, so I made a mistake in the test game that I played. I gave them Hades auto cannons. Actually, if you give them the heavy flame, or the, sorry, the bale flamers, um, it's a complete game changer because these things move thirty inches in turn one, right? So you fuck them straight up the board, right near your opponent's objectives, and then you bale flamer the squads that are holding those objectives, and like. They're lucky if they're if they if they've even gonna have you know if it's if it's like a a five man Primaris squad, um, a Bale Flamer can really seriously do some hefty damage to a to a five man Primaris squad, and you can end up in the in these positions where your opponents are either you know either their midfield objectives or you know a bit later in the game their back objective, um, you can end up in a position where they just cannot put scoring units on them. Um, this thing, you know, like, you move it 30 inches, you bail flame of the squad, you probably kill, like, I think, on average, I worked out that you kill, like, two or three Primaris Marines. I think it's, like, it's like two and a half Primaris Marines, I think, that you kill usually. Um, but then you charge the squad, and you've got, like, five attacks with these damage two claws, which, again, you know, that probably kills another, like, one and a half. Um... I, th I think I think on average it kills like one and a half because it put, I, I think it's like AP minus two or AP minus three. It's pretty good. Um, my memory is a bit fuzzy here. You have to bear in mind I've only played one game with a test list and it wasn't the list that I'm playing now. But but again, they're, they're okay at killing Primaris in combat as well. Um, and then like the last one definitely can fail morale. Like, like if you have a reasonable turn, you know, like a little bit above average turn with a Helldrake. You can take a five-man Primaris squ squad clean off an objective, no problem. Just, just straight up clean off an objective, um, and I think they're like 150 or 155 points. Uh, it's pretty good. It's actually pretty good, and it also just allows you to pick up engage on all fronts so easily because all you've got to do is just put them into table quarters, and they could get on most board layouts. They can get all the way into the opposing table quarters. So uh, we get to play these two Helldrakes, which is really cool. We get to play the Defiler, um, tw well, two Defilers. We get to play a Decimator, which unfortunately is a Forge World kit. I'm not the biggest Forge World fan in the world, um, but I'm certainly willing to suffer it because Twin Butcher Cannons is just very good against Primaris, and that's what everybody's playing right now. Um, so that's, you know, it's just a thing that, that you have to do. Um, but again, having that uh, Master of Possessions being able to up their Invulnerable by one and let them... <coughs> froggy throat. Uh, let them re-roll hits and wounds of one. Uh, again, it just makes them much more threatening. So that's really interesting. A couple of Rhinos, each with a squad of seven in it. Um, champion with Chain Axe and Combi Melter. Five normal guys and a Heavy Bolter. Um, again, just anti-Primaris. You've got anti-tank stuff in the demon engines. Uh, everything else in your army kind of just wants to be anti-Primaris at the moment. Um, because obviously, you know, if it's a worse troop type than Primaris, you're going to lose some fire efficiency over having stuff that's like high rate of fire but damage one. Um, but stuff that's sort of mid rate of fire damage two is just kind of what you want to be playing right now. Um, so I'm not having to mess around with like the fucking what's it called um i literally said its name earlier the guy on the hellstalker i'm pointing at my shelf like you can see you can't see 
Um, you know who I mean. The uh, the Lord Discordant. Lord Discordant. Um, so you don't have to fuck around with stuff like the Lord Discordant and, and Venom Crawlers and stuff like that, you know, which is, you know, more sort of get right up close kind of options. Um, you've got you've got other avenues to, to kill things. Um, and then the really cool thing, so I was kind of gutted. Havocs, um, I think Havocs are going to be good when, when Codex Chaos Space Marines comes out. Because I think once they've got two wounds... A squad, a squad of five having ten wounds is much better, much much better. Um, but for the time being, while they are one wound a model, a squad of five having five wounds and a three up save, no invuln, um, I don't think they're even playable. Which really gutted me, really really gutted me, because I really wanted to play the four reaper chain cannons mark of slanesh shoot twice thing and i and like i did and it was good um it wiped out like a squad of eliminators it took five wounds off of a invicta tactical war suit but then as soon as they got shot at they were just dead um they are really really high damage output which is wonderful <laughs> but all the damage output in the world uh doesn't matter if it's on a flimsy body in the same token, I was also playing Hellbrutes in the original list, and again, just not good enough. Uh, eight wounds, no invuln save. Um, very easy to kill them before they get to shoot back with Crazed. So, like, the reason I was playing them initially is because Iron Warriors have a shoot twice strategy. In fact, it might just be CSM in general, or it might be Iron Warriors. But either way, they have a shoot twice strategy that's specifically for Hellbrutes. So that was one of the reasons I wanted to play them. Um, so my thinking was put a twin last cannon on each one um, they both shoot once one of them can shoot twice for one CP so that's six last cannon shots that they get out of the unit and then when they get shot as long as they don't die they then get to both shoot again so for one CP over the course of one complete turn cycle you could be talking ten last cannon shots well five twin linked last cannon shots technically but that is you know for all intents and purposes 10 last cannon shots um, out of 230 point I want to say models. they might not even be that, they might actually be less than that I've got a feeling they are less than that 115 points maybe, I don't remember I do not remember, but anyway um, that to me felt like good output but again it's just not resilient enough no invuln save um, armor saves don't mean shit anymore in this game, like armor saves just when Bolt rifles are the weapons you're being shot with most. And on turns two and three, those bolt rifles are AP minus two. Uh, yeah. Armor saves just don't mean anything anymore. The, the, that Like, that's just literally how Warhammer is now. Um, two up saves are okay. Two up saves become 50-50s. Sure. That's fine. Um, but your three up saves become 33% success rates, which is what most of your Chaos Space Marine Army is. The majority of your Chaos Space Marine Army is three up saves. Um, so if you're not playing stuff with invulns, you know, stuff with demon saves and that kind of thing, then the majority of your saves are, for turns two and three, are five ups. Um, or worse, five ups or no save, essentially. Because the bolt guns are like the least powerful weapon in their army, right? The bolt rifles. Um, their fucking plasma is AP minus three or four. Like, they have... Um, eliminators have access to those high AP rounds that they can like space marines just have so much ap now that 
invuln saves are, are what you need. Um, and the, the net result was the list that I originally tested just didn't have enough invuln saves. And the big weaknesses were um, Havocs, Hellbrutes, uh, and then to a lesser extent, Forge Fiends. Forge Fiends weren't actually the big weakness, strictly speaking. Um, because they don't have an invuln save, because obviously they do have an invuln save, and they also benefit from all of the stuff that I'm building around with the Warlord. Um, but what was kind of sucky was they just have, like, twin Hades autocannons, um, which are okay for killing Primaris. They're okay. They're not great. Um, they're okay just in the sense that they're damaged too, so the fire efficiency is all right from them. But they don't do anything else. They They just... They have no other function... Um, when you're shooting them at, you know, a Redemptor Dreadnought, like, it's still got a four-up save, It's you're still wounding on a four, um, you're hitting on a four anyway, so it's like, you know, you fire your eight Hades autocannon shots, four will hit, of those four, four will wound, uh, sorry, of, sorry, of those four, two will wound, of those two, they'll save one, so... You fire those Hades autocannons at any of their toughness 7 vehicles and you're statistically doing one damage. Uh, well, two damage, because it's a two damage weapon. It's not good enough. The entire firepower off of that Forge Fiend statistically doing two damage just isn't, it's just not enough. Um, so Defilers kind of have that nice combination of like two heavy flamers so you can advance them up and get them into heavy flamer range, then threaten a charge with those nasty claws. Um, so that kind of makes the Defilers still a threat against infantry. They still have to worry about their infantry with your Defilers, but you've got the Battle Cannon and the Twin Last Cannons on there as well um, that their vehicles cannot ignore. You know, the Battle Cannon is, is Strength 10. Uh, it's pretty nasty. The um, the Last Cannons are Strength 9, uh, AP minus 3 or 4, Damage D6. You know, it, it's, it's much better. Um, so, the, like... I'm so grateful that I played that test game with uh, Victor from my Discord because he's really great at communicating information. He's really good at sort of being able to help you understand what went well and what didn't go well. And I, it was my first time playing Chaos Space Marines in ninth. It was my first time playing shooty Chaos Space Marines. Um, it was my first time trying to build a shooty Chaos Space Marines list. There were a ton of reasons why I was obviously going to make some mistakes, but I learned through the experience of doing, uh, what is that, kinesthetic learning, I think is what it's called. Um, so, you know, I needed to kind of have a go at it first, try it, figure out what went wrong with some help from my opponent, hopefully. Um, and also, you know, credit goes to uh, to Ape of Justice and to Crazy Greg as well, who uh, also sort of were making comments here and there through the course of that game, which again gave me extra things to learn from. Greg was really, really helpful at the end for helping me redesign the new list. But the list that I've got now, I really like the look of it. I like all the models that are in it. I need to give it another test run now to see how much better it is. I think it's a lot better. I think it will be significantly better. Um, but once I've done all of that, once it's had another test, uh, once I've sort of settled on it, then that can go on the list of that's the next army I'm going to start to buy. Um, I also want to start another Imperial Guard army, but again, I need to wait a little bit. I think I think Imperial Guard, I need to wait for a codex, uh, which is a shame because, like, 
I love Imperial Guard and I sold my Cadian army because it was just all units that aren't really very playable now. Um, Guard plays so differently in ninth to how they played in eighth, and my Cadian army just wasn't built for ninth at all. And it was like, well, I certainly I, I can modify this army but there's so little of it that i'd end up keeping there's so much of it that i just wouldn't use anymore so it just made way more way more sense to sell the army uh, with a view to to buying a new one um so there's 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 stuff sort of in the pipeline with regards to armies for the collection this is all stuff for the studio collections this is all stuff that uh when covid is a thing of the past and uh, we've moved into a bigger space by that point, so we're planning to move into a bigger space once COVID is a thing of the past. Um, then the plan is going to be that patrons will be able to actually come and visit, play games using armies from the Studio Army project. So at the moment, that is five armies. Um, I want it to be eight to ten armies eventually. Um, and the idea is also to you know to have a good mix in there of armies that are well represented that people are used to seeing and armies that people don't play as often armies that people might not encounter as often so that people have got a bit of a mix and a bit of a choice um so yeah the iron warriors have been really inspiring they've sort of renewed my energy for the project in general uh they've renewed my energy for chaos space marines i was kind of feeling a little bit like oh, chaos space marines you know but get in there again get in there again so that's good that's fun uh it's got me excited that is what i'm high on right now now let's talk about today's main topic this is the uh the bit that we've inserted to replace the rant main topic okay so today's main topic is not me drinking my coffee um today i want to talk about the fear and what that means and then talk about sort of some of the advantages of the fear and some of the disadvantages of the fear. Uh, so first of all, what am I actually talking about? What the fuck do I mean? That's probably a good place to start. The fear is what I refer to as the reluctancy that sometimes occurs in the hobby to break from uh, what we've always known. You know, um, there are a lot of traditions in miniature painting. Um, and in wargaming in general, it is it is a hobby that is quite steeped in tradition by this point. You know, miniature wargaming itself has existed for a really long time. Um, but, you know, even Warhammer specifically is like about 40 years old now. Um, and, and, you know, so obviously over that time, like habits have formed. People have, you know, started to figure ways that they like to do things. Um, and... The result of that sometimes can be that something will come along that is very different to what people are used to, and it's kind of immediately rejected, um, just because it's so different. It's it's viewed as oh that's too hard or oh I don't want to buy all this extra stuff or you know th th those tend to be the sort of things that people will say. Um, and it's, it's weird. Uh, uh, let me explain myself. Um, it's a really fucking weird way to think about the hobby. Because when a company like, say, say when Games Workshop released Contrast Paints, um, that is a new product that no one's worked with before. Well, no, technically it's not. But for most people, that's a new product that they've never worked with before. A lot of us immediately sort of realise this is basically acrylic inks with a bit of thickener and a, you know, 
slightly less glossy finish. I mean, they, they do still finish very glossy, I think, but um, for the majority of people, that was a new product and a new way of painting. It was a new thing that they would have to learn. Uh, it was a, a whole new product range to buy into. It was a whole new approach to painting. But because it came from Games Workshop, it was wholeheartedly embraced by the community. And don't get me wrong, rightly so. Contrast has, um, it, it's made a bunch of things that people never really did before, much more commonplace now. It's unlocked a lot of techniques for people that they otherwise, you know, the traditional methods for achieving them they find very difficult. Um, filtering is a really good example. Um, some people find filtering really, really hard to do, like, and I'm not even talking about airbrush filtering, I'm talking about, you know, manually filtering. Um, some people find it really, really hard to do with paint because judging the consistency of the paint, the actual, um, you know, to get it transparent enough to not wipe out what's underneath it, but, excuse me, but to keep the pigment strong enough that um, it still actually has, you know, a, an effect on the colour. Um, that was something that people, most people didn't do it prior to contrast paints. Whereas in a world where contrast paints now exist, that's become a much more common thing for people to do. Um, it's really normal now for people to do that. And so, like, if GW release it, people seem to embrace it. But if somebody, like, you know, a painter on YouTube, for example, and I'm actually not talking about myself here, um, I'll clarify what I mean in a second, but if somebody, like, say, a painter on YouTube does something, um, it sort of seems to be viewed with a suspicion, almost. Um, and it doesn't add up. So what I'm actually talking about here is oil paints today. Um, this is the specific case. Uh, I think oil paints are a really good uh, comparison to make uh, for a number of reasons. So uh, Vince Ventruella recently did a hobby cheating where he showed uh, working up volumes using oils. And... I've been using oils for a while now, but mostly just for like washes and rust effects and stuff like that. Not not for actually working up the the highlights on the volumes of a miniature. Uh, but I've always wanted to. I just I only owned like shitty cheap oils that are no good for doing that with. I needed some higher quality, you know, nicer oils to be able to do it with. Um, and I saw Vince's video recently. And I just thought to myself, do you know what? I've been wanting to do this for ages. I've been meaning to check it out for ages. I should just get some fucking oils and try it. Like, there's no reason to not try this. I, I've i watched enough videos on how to do it. I already own all the stuff to use the, the material. I have used the material just for different applications. I'm familiar with how it behaves. There's literally the only reason I've not tried this is because I haven't bought any nice quality oil paints. I just have cheap student oil paints that are only good for doing oil washes. And even then, they're not the best for doing oil washes. Uh, they can go quite sort of chalky when they dry. So I was just like, do you know what, fuck it. And I bought, uh, I bought some of these Abteilung 502 oils. Um, now... Why am I comparing this to contrast paints? Well, uh, acrylic inks, 
usually mixed with like a matting medium and stuff like that. But acrylic inks have been used by, you know, more advanced, I'm finger quoting for those of you on audio only, I apologize, um, from th those kind of painters for a long time. Uh, we use them through the airbrush to filter colors. We use them to make custom washes if we don't have a wash of the right color. We use them to manually filter. A uh, lot of painters love using white ink over a black paint to do a zenithal um, base to you know to paint over. Personally, I'm not a huge fan of that, but um, it is a common use in mini painting. So like acrylic inks are a thing that's existed in mini painting for ages, but most people don't use them. The majority of, of mini painters don't use them. They're a thing that have been used in the hobby for a really long time. It's just not super widespread. And then contrast paints come along from Games Workshop and everyone's now using them. They're just using them in a bottle that says contrast paint. They're doing exactly the same things with them. They are using them for the same applications. Admittedly, you can't really xenophil with um, with contrast paint. Although I have actually, I've tried doing a xenophil with the Apothecary White, which is actually a gray. Um, and it does work, it's just not great for it. White is much better because it produces a better, a better degree of contrast. Um, it's so confusing having to say contrast with an uppercase or a lowercase c to mean two different things now. Um, but yeah, like, when GW released that product, suddenly now everybody's doing it. They're just using GW's brand of it. And and those of us that have been doing it for years are, are like, but this isn't new. We've been doing this for fucking years. Um, what's actually new about contrast is that because they've got a bit of a thickener in them, because they're not as loose as acrylic inks, you can use them as, you know, a, a catch-all solution to sort of completely base coat a miniature. But personally for me, that's actually the thing I think they're worst at. Um, I really don't like the finish that they produce. It's really, really hard work to get it looking solid. You tend to have to do a load of stuff on top of it to cover up its blotchiness. Um, and if you look at a lot of the sort of high-end contrast paint jobs that you'll see out there on the internet, typically there's a lot of work done over the top of the contrast to hide the weakness of the contrast. Because um, it's just not very good at a ba as, as, a, as a base coat that sort of incorporates a degree of shadow and highlight. Um, flat paint is just better at it. It, it's it's quicker to do it in flat paint because you don't have to reprime your corrections before you make them. You can just correct straight over the top, um, and it's. I mean, I, I you know I did an experiment video where I where I demonstrated this, uh, but it also just produces a nicer finish. Uh, at least you know that's my view on it. It doesn't have to be your view on it. I'm not saying that you have to agree with me on this, but the point I'm making is that the the product has always existed it's just that until gw released their own branded version of it it wasn't widespread in its use um and that's definitely you know that's an, that's an absolute truth that's not that's not um you know a, a casual observation that's not really founded like you can literally go back on youtube and see fucking tons of videos of people painting with acrylic inks um from way back when and I mean, you know, even really, there's, there's some really popular channels that use them all the time. Like Marco Frizzoni uses them all the time. Scott the Miniature Maniac uses them all the time. I'm pretty sure John Nunez uses them, although obviously his channel's quite new, so they might, he might not have any videos where he's using them, but I'm pretty sure that he uses them. Uh, it's very, very common to use acrylic inks in miniature painting, but it was sort of a thing that only the pro painters did. And, and I guess, you know, by Games Workshop releasing it, um, 
everybody else has now kind of come on board and said, okay, yeah, this is a, this is a thing. But they don't sort of make that connection in the head that what they're actually doing is something that's always been done. They're just using Games Workshop's branded version of it. Um, and so that sort of got me to thinking about this thing with oils. Like, why are people so reluctant to use oils? Because, again, oils have a lengthy pedigree. Um, so back in the days prior to Games Workshop, when people were doing, like, scale Napoleonic or, um, you know, scale modelling, uh, you know, like boats and tanks and cars and trucks and that kind of shit, um, you would normally use enamel paints for, like, your solid coverage stuff, but oil paints were really, really common and still to this day are really, really common in those sectors. The Abtalum 502 stuff that I bought is scale modeling paint. Uh, the packaging that it comes in has got a big scale, the set that I bought had a big scale model boat on the side of it and they'd use those paints to do different effects on the on the side of the boat. Um, but the point I'm making is that oil paints have a an extremely lengthy pedigree in, um, you know, painting things that are made of plastic and metal, you know, miniature painting, uh, not, not specifically as in like fantasy and war games miniatures, um, but like, you know, scale Napoleonic, scale World War Two, scale modeling like tanks and trucks and shit. Like people have been painting things with oil paints for a really fucking long time. So there's still that parity there between acrylic inks. You know, it still has the pedigree. It's still a proven, a tried and tested thing. It's not new. It's not different. It's not scary. It's a proven, tried and tested thing that's been around forever. Um, but unlike acrylic inks, it's not something the Games Workshop endorses. And so the conversation that I keep having when I talk to people about oils, and I'm not talking about like in videos and stuff like that, because I don't really cover them that much in videos, um, and the reason I don't really cover them that much in videos is because of the reception that they tend to get when I talk about them publicly. Um, you know, like in my Discord or on Twitter, stuff like that. If I post anything about oil paints on Twitter, it gets almost no engagement. People just do not want to know. They do not want anything to do with oil paints. Um, if I talk about them in my Discord one or two people will, you know, who are sort of quite curious, quite experimental painters will be like, yeah, I kind of want to try that at some point. It looks really cool. Um, there's also another Discord that I frequent. I posted some stuff about oils in there and there was um, sort of, you know, a couple of people that were impressed with what they could do, but no one really sort of saying that they wanted to try them. Um, and then in, in I think it was Lazy Dragon Gaming's Discord, I also posted about them, and uh, there was someone in there that was interested in trying them. But the general response that you get is people are really disengaged with it, um, and then you'll get sort of a couple of curious people that want to try it. The vast majority of people just do not want anything to do with it. And it's really, really weird, because not only, not only do oils like have this extensive pedigree, um, and, and I can't, I, I really struggle to wrap my head around this, which is kind of why I'm talking about it, because maybe some people will come back to me in the comments or, you know, will will be able to DM me or email me or something and explain to me um, what the concern is when it comes to oil paints. Because like contrast paints, there's that, that pedigree. But also, unlike contrast paints, contrast paints are sort of pushed as being, um, you know, super easy and super user-friendly. Which they're just not. Like I said, I did I did an extensive test on this. Um, I, I, I already sort of kind of knew this before I did the test, but I did the test to kind of try to show it. 
but contrast paints are not super user friendly. They there are some things that contrast paints are really easy to use. Some things that contrast paints are kind of, you know, from a difficulty perspective are your best bet for. But for the majority of stuff, contrast paints are actually quite a bit harder than normal paints to paint with. And um, unlike that, oil paints are actually just straight easier to use. They're far more forgiving. Um, they come out of the pot re or the tube really, really thick, so you have much more control over how much you thin them. You can bring them all the way down to like a wash type consistency. You can take them all the way down to like a thin layer consistency. Um, but the thing with oil paints is that they blend. You're always wet blending with them because they take literally days to dry. Um, which is, you know, you can cheat with that. There's a there's a fast drying medium that you can get for oil paints that makes them dry in a matter of hours instead of days. Um, you can hair dryer them just to get them surface dry and then spray over them with matte varnish and you can then work over them much quicker. So like when I'm doing oil workups, I can actually continue working over, over them after about an hour, give them sort of an hour to go tacky, give them a quick spray with the hair dryer just to make the, the very outer surface go hard, then hit them with matte varnish through my airbrush and I can actually start painting over them again. Um, and it's perfectly safe to do so. But like, they don't take much longer to work with. They do take a little bit longer to work with because you do want to give them at least some time to just naturally dry. But not much longer. But they are in every single way easier to work with like they're really forgiving um i started work on this judicia and i mean you can even even with the small sort of picture here you can see how the volumes have all have all been blended um like i can't get up to grab the camera from here to turn the super zoom on so that you can take a proper look at it but you can see that you know it's it's got nice blended volumes like you can see that the foot there has got some nice highlight on it and the chest and the front of the head Whereas, you know, when you look at the top of the head, you can see it's much darker. Like, you can see it, it is, the volumes have all been nicely blended together. Um, and I did post some pics of it on social media as well, so you, you may well have seen it already. But that took to completely work up fully blended, and they're like really neatly blended volumes, took like 10 minutes to do the whole miniature. And it wasn't 10 minutes of like being really careful, 10 minutes of working really hard, 10 minutes of really solid concentration. It was 10 minutes of literally splodging dots on with like a nice pointed brush. Like I, I use this synthetic broken toad for it. And then you get a soft flat brush, which in this case I'm using an old uh, crappy Reaper Miniatures dry brush. Um, and you literally just tap at the paint and it all blends together. You just tap at it gently, and it just wet blends perfectly, and it's so forgiving. And then you look at that wet blend, and if you go, oh, it needs to be a bit lighter, you just add a dot of white to the top of it, and then tap that in, and it gets lighter. But it will blend with the colors that are underneath it, so it won't be like stark, pure white. It'll be like a really light version of the colors underneath it. And if you look at that blend and you go, oh, it needs to be darker in the shadows, you just add some shadow color, just dot a few bits of shadow color, at the bottom of the blend and then stab them with your soft brush and they perfectly blend into it. It's the easiest painting experience I've ever had in my life. Um, I painted like two test miniatures, both Space Marines, just to sort of have a go. And it was so easy that after painting those two test miniatures, I was confident enough to use it on a commission. And that is 
this Nile Stormcrawler that I showed earlier. And again, I've posted photos of this on social media, so you've probably seen it already, but what you will have seen if you've looked at those photos on social media is that the blending on the volumes is beautifully smooth. Smoother than I can get it with acrylics. But, um, no, I don't want to lie to anyone, even if it is inadvertently. Not smoother than I can get it with acrylics. Smoother than I would get it with acrylics, even after working at it for hours. It would, it would literally take me hours and hours to get it that smooth with acrylics. But I've got those perfectly smooth blends in, it took me, I think, 15 minutes to paint the armor of that Nail Stormcaller. And then once you've got the oils set and you've got some varnish on top so that you can carry on painting on top, you can then just do a little bit of, you know, textured highlighting or fine edge highlighting or whatever with a, with a really bright color just to push the absolute top end. Because when you're blending your highlight color back into what's underneath it, it is hard to get that sort of top end. You can't really get the sort of very brightest part of the highlight during the oil painting process. You sort of have to add that separately. Um, so it's best to just add that with, with acrylics afterwards. But I'm not joking, like the entire armor on that Nial Stormcaller, including all of the highlights, including the shading, including all that beautiful blending, and the blending is nice. Um, you can check my social media outlets if you if you want to see photos of it. I think I've posted it to all of them. Uh, maybe not my Instagram, because I, I don't tend to post work in progress to my Instagram. But, like, it's beautiful. It's really clean and really smooth. So this is a product that has pedigree, is, like, so much easier to use than acrylics. It's not even funny. If you're trying to get nice blended surfaces of so things like power armor, if you're trying to do a power sword... Uh, and anything that you intend to blend, it is so much easier than acrylics. It's quicker. It's not expensive. These Abtilung paints are, I think, about three fifty a tube, something like that. Um, and you get way more in it than you get in a in a Citadel pot. Uh, they're twenty mil, which is almost double a Citadel pot for three pound fifty. Um, sorry, I just very nearly chucked one on the floor then. So, you know, a Citadel pot's 12 mil for... I think you normally pay about 250 for a Citadel pot, don't you? So you're paying, you know, fifty uh, a pound more for, like, 80% more paint. It's, it's a really good deal. Um, and the only other thing you need... You need to segregate some brushes. Your oil brushes can no longer be used for acrylic. That's one thing. So that's why I've got my separate oil brushes. These are... These are my acrylic brushes, these are my oil brushes. So, you know, they have to be separate. But that's fine. Most of us own more than more than one paintbrush anyway, so that's not a problem. Um, and then the only other thing you need is some white spirit. And my white spirit that I've got here is um <laughs> it has this kill you dickhead written on it because I very nearly accidentally put it in my e-cig once and somebody told me I needed to write a label. I think that was Chrissy. So again, thanks Chrissy for uh, saving my life potentially. Uh, this is just decanted. Uh, I just got a little funnel and decanted it into this 120 mil bottle. But the bottle that it actually, that my white spirit lives in is a litre bottle. It's a litre of white spirit. And you can see like how little I've been using. I mean, I have, I've had this decanted in here for six weeks eight weeks i've used about 60 mils of it and the and bear in mind until this week all i was using oils for was making washes which you need a lot of this for obviously um but essentially white spirit you just 
this just replaces your water. So you have a pot of it for washing your brush and a pot of it for thinning your paints with. Which is exactly what you do with water. You have water for thinning your paints with water. You know, some people use a medium, but even the mediums are obviously water-based. Um, but again, it's no different to acrylic painting. Just literally, this is this instead of water. And it's like a pound fifty, two pound for a litre of this stuff. So... The conclusions I'm making here are it isn't more expensive, it isn't harder, it isn't some newfangled thing that has no pedigree in the hobby, yet for some reason you post content about it, everyone runs a mile. You talk about it, no one wants to talk about it. If you try to extol the virtues of it, people act as if you're being high and mighty but it's none of those things what what i'm what i'm talking about here is something that's cheaper faster easier and has a long established history of use in the hobby but people view that as haughty torty or high and mighty or being overly technical or they're scared of it because they don't want to ruin their miniatures or it's like like even even the ruin the ruining your miniatures thing if you completely fucked up you could just sit there with a crappy brush dipped in white spirit and just sit there and strip the paint because it takes fucking hours to dry, literally hours to dry. If you made a complete mess and it was horrible and you hated it, you literally just paint it off with white spirit. You just sit there with your tissue, just dip your brush in white spirit, wipe off some paint, scrape it off on the tissue, dip your brush in white spirit, wipe off some paint. Within five minutes, you'll be back to fucking whatever you undercoated in. Like every single thing about it is just better but we're terrified of it for some reason like the hobby community at large is just so scared of it it seems like that's that's what it comes across as to those of us that kind of are now working with the medium and using it there seems to be this sort of unanimous idea that there's there's some sort of element of fear attached to it and that's why the the main topic today is called the fear um because it seems like until gw gives their stamp of approval to something the majority of miniature painters, and I like, I totally get that the majority of miniature painters come to miniature painting through Games Workshop, and so that is why they look to Games Workshop as the sort of seal of approval, the mothership, the gold standard. Um, like, I understand it. I totally get it. Of course, I do. Like, I'm on your side. I'm trying. I'm trying to, you know, help folks learn stuff about painting. So, obviously, I have a vested interest in in getting where you're coming from. Um, but it seems to me like until GW puts their stamp of approval on something, the instant assumption, if you will, is that it's not valid or not for them or not useful or not good or it's it's always brushed aside. And that's so bizarre because if we look at the example of contrast paints, that's literally just something that GW picked up on realizing that they weren't doing their own branded version of it but people were using it, you know? It, that wasn't, GW didn't invent something there. A lot of people seem to think they did actually. That's that's an interesting side point is that a lot of people think that, that contrast paints are an invention. Um, and a lot of people also think that contrast medium is something new. And again, they're just, they're just not. Um, mediums come in a whole range of matte satin and gloss and a whole range of thicknesses from, you know, really thin, watery all the way up to pastes. Um, 
different mediums have been used for different applications by traditional painters and again you know scale model painters even hobbyists etc for years and years and years um the what the medium that i make uh painter's milk from the painter's bakery so th this is ultra ultra thin it's like it's the consistency of water essentially um and the reason is because i i want this to be really good for forming a base for glazes um I only want this to take paint down in thickness, but there are also mediums that will take paint up in thickness. Like, the, 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 that's always been the case. Um, so taking an acrylic ink base, some sort of matting agent, and a medium that thickens that acrylic ink, mixing it all together, like, that isn't new. Uh, people have done that before. But GW sort of saw a use for it, found a way to market it, released it as a product. And don't get me wrong, like, right power to them. Like, they totally should do that. That's good business. It's good thinking. It's it's a good product that has some great uses. Admittedly, I don't like some of the ways that they tell you to use it. But that's me. You know, that's a preference. That's not a rule. Um, but they, you know, they brought this thing out. And then suddenly this thing that we'd all been doing for years is suddenly a thing that GW approves. And now everyone's doing it. So why do we have this attitude towards oil paints? Because the only difference I can see, and I'm really trying hard to look as deep into this as I can, the only difference I can see is that GW haven't put their stamp of approval on it. GW haven't released their own oil paints. GW have released their own airbrush in the past, their own airbrush paints. Um, you know, they've got their own acrylic ink line now, the contrast paints. Uh, they used to do acrylic inks before, they just weren't thickened. It was back in the day when people used to use acrylic inks as washes and just water them down, which is, again, a thing that people have been doing for years. Citadel used to make inks, called inks. Um, they were just thin, they weren't thick like contrast paints. So, <clears throat> yeah, it's 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 really strange, it's really hard for me to wrap my head around. Um, and I said, you know, what I wanted to talk about was some of the things that you gain and lose from the fear. And so all of that establishing and understanding is is kind of leading to that. Because I do think that you gain a comfort and a confidence uh, as a result of the fear. Because the fear is what's going to lead you to, you know, only kind of look at and do stuff based on whether GW's approved it. Um, or, you know, whoever your favourite painter on YouTube is or whatever. Um... The fear is what's going to lead you to kind of make decisions based on what other people are doing instead of making decisions based on what's good for you. And it, it's kind of unfortunate because we do sort of wholesale lie to ourselves. Um, miniature painters, we, we love to say that I just like to hobby the way I like to hobby and, you know, if I'm enjoying what I'm doing, what's the problem? And, stuff like that. and, th and like, those things are true, but we say them in defence of... We, like, we also say those things in defense of people saying, why do you only do what everyone else does? Um, and I'm not I'm not saying that as like, you know, when we attack people, because we shouldn't be attacking people. But what I, what I mean is, like, if I ask that question, um, you know, everyone's using contrast paints, like, what is it about contrast paints that you like? And it's like, oh, well, you know, they just work for my style of painting. It's like, well, that's not really true, because... You know, if if you take a, a thousand people that have used contrast that use contrast paints for all of their painting, I bet you, being reasonable, trying to make a fair estimate, maybe five or six hundred of them will have 
only painted with contrast paints because that's what they've come into the hobby from gw has told them you know this is the easiest way to get started they've taken that on face value and they're just all doing that because that's all they've ever known um and that's kind of the thing is that you know we we will say things like this works for me or you know this is just my preference and we don't actually know if the alternative is our preference because we haven't tried it we've been too scared to try it um so you gain a comfort and a confidence you see other people doing it so you feel like you have a clear aim and direction towards what you're trying to achieve um but what you lose is actually finding out for yourself uh you end up sort of having to take things on the information and authority of others instead of actually finding out for yourself how you feel about that product what you think um now obviously you know in the covid era it's a bit more difficult but for me personally if if covid wasn't a thing at the moment um i would have tried oils a really long time ago because what i would have done is gone to a mate who uses them you know sort of ask my mates like does anyone use oils for painting their miniatures found a mate that uses them gone around their house and said oh can i have a play with your oils i just want to try a few things and see what they're like and i'd have just spent an hour just fucking around with them and i wouldn't have had to commit anything to it and i'd have tried the product ages ago but because i had to commit you know time to sitting and learning them on my own and i had to commit money to buying new oil paints because i knew that the ones that i had were only good enough for washes it took me a while to get around to trying them but for most people it's going to take them forever to get around to trying them because unless they see gw using it on box art or you know warhammer tv releasing guides on it they don't feel comfortable with it and that's a really strange phenomena because that feels like we're missing out um and i don't like the idea of people missing out like oil paints were such an eye-opener to me it was such a like a, a mind-blown moment of like this is so much easier than how i've been doing it i've been really taking my time i mean like you know for example um this space marine's got a blended red shoulder pad again like even on the zoomed out cam you can sort of see that the shoulder pad is blended all the way from like a deep red up to a bright red doing that with acrylics takes me probably 20 minutes to do that shoulder pad just the shoulder pad um doing that with oils i did i did a blood angel and unfortunately it's out of reach it's over on that shelf over there so i can't bring it and put it up on camera but i did a blood angel with oils that was my first test miniature when those abtailung paints arrived and it was 10 minutes to do the whole miniature the next one that i did the chaplain that i did show you or the the judicia that i did show you again 10 minutes to do the whole model the oil parts of it the entire workup with the varnishing and the highlights added was 20 minutes this Storm stormcaller which is a fucking commission i felt confident enough to use these paints as a on a commission having only done two test models because it was so easy because it was so brain dead simple to make it work and i like it kind of makes me feel a bit sad that people miss out on stuff like that because we don't feel comfortable with things until a big company or a big personality has put their seal of approval on them if duncan if duncan Rhodes, bless him started painting with oil paints tomorrow i guarantee you 
I, I literally 100% guarantee you oil paints would become common in miniature painting because that's someone who is considered a household name, an authority um, on the subject. And it's it's just, I think it's just a shame. I think it's a real shame that we let this discomfort, this fear, mean that we miss out on stuff. For me now, oil paints are going to become a standard part of how I paint. I mean, I'm literally going to be using them all the time. And I'm going to grow my collection of colours so that I can do that. Reason being, they make my job easier. Um, I'm able to produce beautiful miniatures using them. And I don't have to work as hard to do it. Um, they can't do everything, you know. For example, like, I wouldn't want to use oils to do the fur on this gnarl. Um, that fur that's sort of all down his back there, this this kind of pelt that he's wearing, I'm trying to do this in mirror because my camera's reversed for, for, on my preview of it. Um, I wouldn't want to do that in oils. I don't think it would be easier. I think it'd be quite a lot harder to do that in, in, in oils. But, like, the armour, just... So much easier. So much easier. Um, if I was painting like a vehicle, like I really, I've, I've got, um, I've got another Razorback for my uh, Ultramarines army sat boxed down here, and I'm honestly tempted. Like, it'll mean that it doesn't match my other one, which is why I'm kind of a minanarin over it because I would like them to match each other. But I'm honestly tempted to do the panels, the actual modulation on the panels for my next Razorback uh, using oil paints because I think it will produce a better looking miniature in less time. I think I, I think that I will get a nicer result for less effort and less time. And like, isn't that what we all want from the hobby? Do we not, do we not all want things to be as easy and low stress as possible, consume as little of our precious time as possible, but still be able to be super happy and proud of them when we look back at them, you know, when we see them finished. Like, is is that not everyone's desire in the hobby? It certainly is mine uh, when it comes to painting my own stuff. And when it comes to painting commissions, like, if the result is better, the result is better. At the end of the day, I have a responsibility when it comes to commissions to paint to the best of my ability. Therefore, if I have a solution that produces a better-looking result, I've got to use that. Like, it, it's a no-brainer. I've absolutely got to. So, there are other areas in the hobby. Uh, sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm getting scratchy throat again. I need a coffee sip. There are other areas in the hobby where this fear probably applies. There are probably, you know, other things where we don't do stuff because it's uncomfortable. And the reason it's uncomfortable is because we haven't had that sort of confirmation bias, if you will, of, of seeing, you know famous painter that we love or or games workshop themselves or you know viejo or whatever because we haven't seen them do it we think that it's not something we should do or we assume it's hard or we assume it's expensive we never actually find these things out for ourselves um and i do think that that fear probably exists in a few parts of the hobby i don't think it's just uh, you know contrasts and oils were an easy way for me to explain the notion and the effect um, but I don't think it's it's exclusively limited to those things. And I don't think any of us really wants to just miss out. Uh, 
you might be denying yourself something that you could get hours, months, years, weeks, whatever of pleasure from just by having the bravery to give it a go. Like, and that's a beautiful thing. Just try, just finally saying to myself, do you know what? Vince Venturella's made a video on it. This is another painter that I really respect that's using these. Marco is another one. Um, Zach Cascagoon, I could never say it. That Canadian channel that does all the grimdark stuff, he uses loads of oils and enamels. There's loads of painters I've seen that use tons of oils and enamels on their miniatures. And it's just got to that point where I was like, do you know what? I really need to just get my finger out my ass and fucking try this properly instead of just half-assing it instead of just using it for washes and you know rust effects and stuff like that i need to properly try it i need to properly give it a go and just finally saying to myself enough is enough stop procrastinating just fucking try it it's an incredible moment for me such a powerful moment of feeling so much more in control so much more capable um it makes me feel like i'm going to be able to produce better miniatures for the rest of my life as a result of just trying this thing uh, and that's an incredibly powerful and empowering experience that as painters i think we all deserve to go through so um yeah the fear the fear fuck it just give stuff a go like instead of worrying about how it was done and what was used look at the result look at the picture you see of the miniature and if you like the result, try the method. Simple. Because you will be amazed at the stuff that you learn. You will be amazed at how much it empowers you. You will be amazed at how much you level up as a painter. And in any other areas of the hobby where you see this same thing prevailing, challenge it. Challenge yourself, you know. Don't give in to it. Because it, it is beautiful. It is a wonderful experience. And I'm so glad. So thank you to Vince Venturella. I, I know there's very little chance that Vince listens to the podcast. But but thank you so much. If you do by any chance hear this. Um, for that video on volume working with, with oil paints. Because you finally persuaded me. After meaning to get round to it. You finally persuaded me to stop procrastinating. And actually get round to trying it. And my god has it been an incredible experience that I've loved so much and I'm so grateful for that. Um, that is the incredible power of YouTube and that's why I love doing YouTube so much because I have had my my experience in my life as a painter affected so profoundly by stuff that I've seen on YouTube and just the smidgen of a chance that maybe I'll be able to give that to someone else one day is amazing. Um, so yes, huge thanks Vince. Uh, that is the main topic for this week. Let's move on now. Uh, let's talk about what's coming up for the channel. So, uh, what's uh, what's coming up then, man? What's what's coming up? Okay, the final section. What's coming up? So, um, I I tore ahead really, really well on video production, um, and then I've kind of accidentally let it slip a little bit again. I, I focused in a bit too much this week on commissions, and maybe should have filmed a little bit more uh, footage to be able to turn into videos. Uh, so, as it stands at the moment, there's only two more planned videos in the pipeline that are actually already uploaded and ready to go live. Uh, patrons have, of course, already seen them because they get early access but uh, for everyone else it's going to be quite a bit of stuff about true metallic metals um, one of them's a really short video I'm aware of the fact that a lot of my videos are quite long watches and I do want to make sure that I'm also offering 
you know, some fairly digestible quick content here and there. So one of them's only about six minutes, the other's more like 15 and it's a long play video, which I know has obviously been very popular, but that's two different approaches to two different types of true metallic metal that I think are quite interesting. Um, outside of that, there's definitely a lot of other subjects I want to cover on the channel coming up. I'm trying to decide... Um, something in my commission pile probably needs to get into a video soon so i'm trying to decide exactly how i want to frame that and uh, and bring it up um but certainly one thing i can say is that if you are interested in some slightly different maybe interesting approaches to true metallic metals then i've got some shit coming up for you so uh keep an eye on the channel for that um i've also and this is again something that will be coming to the channel soon i've just got to decide when i can squeeze it in I picked up this guy, Lotan Warden of the Soul Ledgers. I did some polling on uh, on the tweet tweets, asking. Uh, I said, you know, I want to I want to do more AOS stuff on the channel. Uh, I don't feel like I cover AOS enough. What stuff would you like to see? What's cool? Because I don't know the game, I don't play the game, so I really rely on your suggestions. Um, and that continues to be the case. So obviously, if you have Age of Sigmar stuff that you think would be really cool to see painted on the channel, then just fucking get in touch and let me know. Um, obviously, you can also donate miniatures to the channel. Um, it's not like a commission. You won't normally get the miniature back if you donate it to the channel. Um, typically... The way it works is if you if you were to donate a miniature to the channel you would send it to me so that i could paint it for a video um you do obviously need to clear that with me first because i don't want people sending me stuff that i can't really make content on there are always going to be certain things that just you know won't fit in because of time or or i don't want to make content on them because i've covered that a lot you know um but what would normally happen is we'd sort of have a conversation on social media you'd be like i've got this miniature that i'd really like to see a, a paint scheme designed for i'd really like to see you do something for can you make it work for a video and i'd be like yeah sure i can make that work for a video that's no problem here's the address that you can mail me to mail me the miniature and then i will paint a video essentially for you that you know I'll paint a miniature and create a video essentially for you um but i do tend to either the, the miniatures that people send for that purpose I tend to either use for like giveaways or I'll keep them for my display shelf um, they don't usually get sent back to people because the, the problem there is that if I send them back to people what they're essentially getting is both a commission and a video guide on how to paint their army completely free of charge which obviously is just bonkers uh, that, that's not something I can do as a business like if I if I did that that's just all anyone would do people would just send me their models to paint and i'd paint them for the channel and i'd send them back and i would not make a living i would go hungry and so would my cats and my other half and my tortoise like i that, that's that could never happen i think we all understand that can never happen um so it's not like a commission you know the trade-off for you not paying for it is that you don't get the model back uh i get to do what i want to do with the model but i do think that's still fair um because you know you still i will still design a color scheme for that miniature we can even talk together about what colors you maybe wanted to see that miniature done in um but yeah the the point being with aos being a thing that i want to start bringing into the channel and also a thing that i don't really know a lot about uh it seems a good time again to just remind people that you can donate miniatures to the channel because 
that might be a good way for you guys to direct the content when it comes to Age of Sigmar. Me not really knowing a ton about it, I will kind of just pick up models now and again that I think look cool, but they might not be models that anyone's interested in. I think Lotan is, uh, like I said, I polled on Twitter and a few people suggested Ideneth Deepkin, and of those people that suggested Ideneth Deepkin, when I asked about specific models, Lotan came up a few times. So... I'm pretty confident that that's something people are interested in seeing a paint job for uh, and that it'll make a good video. But going forward, you know, it doesn't hurt to remind people that you can donate miniatures to the channel if you wish to see them painted. Um, and, and yeah, in the context of EOS, that might be a good thing. What else is coming up? Um, the final thing that I want to talk about that's coming up as I try to slide this Lotan back into its little cubby hole without turning my head too far away from the mic and making the sound go weird. Uh, the final thing that's coming up is I'm going to be trying to get more games in on Tabletop Simulator. Um, I sort of wanted to make a point of at least playing with my patrons once a month, you know, playing with someone from my, from my patron Discord once a month. Um, and I've been okay at staying on top of that since I've got into TTS. I've played, I think, pretty much every month since I got into it. But I would like to be able to find more time because I'm just not really playing enough of the edition. Um, I do only play with patrons. The reason I only play with patrons is just because... How to best explain this? Um, I want to be able to have, you know, friendly and familiar games with people. I don't... I don't want games to feel kind of formal and tournamenty. I want to feel like I'm hanging out with a mate and having a game of 40k because that's how I enjoy playing 40k. I'm not a tournament player. I'm not I'm not someone that always wants to play the most optimized thing. Um, my focus is always far more on minis I like over minis that are good. And finding a balance between minis that I like that are also good is kind of one of the big fun things for me. Um, and when you don't really know your opponent... Um, you don't really know their play style. It can be really hard to sort of frame that in a way that ensures that everyone has fun. Um, and it's also just harder to kind of hang out and shoot the shit while you're playing, you know, just have casual conversations. Whereas my patrons, you know, because they hang out on my Discord every day, I get to know them really well. Um, uh, uh, probably most of them these days I consider to be friends. And that's lovely because it feels like you've just got a whole fucking bunch of great friends. Like, it makes me feel way more popular than I actually am. Um, but, you know, it just kind of works better um, to play those games with patrons. And... It's also just, you know, it's a nice it's a nice thing to give back your time to people who support you. That's like the biggest gift I can give. As someone who's self-employed where every hour of my time costs me money essentially, you know, unless I unless that hour is making me money, it's costing me money. Um so just putting time aside to spend with patrons just feels you know, it feels good because it's me saying this isn't about work, it isn't about earning money, it isn't about, you know, having to focus on the clock. It's about I just want to spend some time and hang out with you folks and not feel like I'm at work. Um, so let's play this game that we all love together. And, and, and I kind of love that. So I want to try and get more TTS games in. Um, it's important to me to find that time. I just don't know quite if and where I'll find that time just yet. I've still got to kind of figure that part out. Um, but once I've figured out, you know, where that time will come from, 
and and how much of it there is i think there's going to be a lot more tabletop simulator 40k happening in my patron discord server um there's look i, I i've considered turning it into content i've thought about it um truth be told i don't think people want casual 40k gameplay content um well no i'm sort of instantly kind of i'm instantly questioning that as i've said it because obviously you know channels like tabletop tactics for example are incredibly popular and most of what they play is casual level they play very little tournament level they actually have a separate designation for when they're doing tournament level stuff they call them tactica battle reports um as opposed to just calling them battle reports so um no maybe not that maybe not that nobody wants casual 40k gameplay but what i think what i mean is more that maybe nobody wants that from me like i'm not really known to anyone for 40k gameplay um my place in the community is as a painter you know i teach painting um i share my ideas about painting and i you know do stuff like this where i just sort of share my general views about the hobby and just have a chat and hang out um and all of that is lovely and all of that is kind of what i'm good at uh, it's what I enjoy. It's what I feel like an offer as value to the community. I don't think there's much that people can get from watching me play Warhammer that they don't already get from other channels. Um, you know, that said, whenever we play on my Discord, bunches of patrons will always sit in the room with us observing. You know, one of us will stream it into the Discord so that people can sit around and watch in the Discord. But I think that's, you know, that's different because it's kind of people you know, um you know they they know me and uh they just kind of want to hang out and have a laugh while we while we play warhammer together so i think that's kind of different so you know i've considered making it content but again you know i'm always open to suggestions i'm always open to your feedback so if you think that would make good content get in touch my social media links are always in the description of every podcast both on youtube and on anchor and obviously anchor then distributes it to all the other podcast outlets for me um you can get hold of me so if you want to get hold of me and, and say to me you know look we'd actually really like to see the occasional video of you playing 40k on tabletop simulator let me know and if enough people say that if enough people contact me and say actually it'd be really cool to see you play 40k every now and again then sure i'll make a video you know i'll i'll, I'll make something and and it'll probably be shonky and shit and it'll be full of problems but it'll be fun so you know it's it's worth a go could even be something that people would like to see streamed to youtube every now and again again reach out let me know it's I, my my ears are always open i always want to hear what you think um that's important to me it's important to me to to review your thoughts and feelings as the people who consume my content and always do my best to make sure that I'm meeting your needs. So so feel free to get in touch. Um, I have said this before as well, if enough people are asking enough questions and, and communicating enough things, which I do think, you know, as the podcast continues to grow, I do think that will eventually happen. Uh, then we can also bring back the mailbag section at the end. Um, the problem I had with the mailbag section previously was just that I was kind of having to sort of drum up the questions, um, which, you know, it doesn't lead to the most organic, natural Q&A process when you're, when you're really having to kind of push people to ask questions uh that's not it's not worth having a mailbag if you're doing that 
Um, but if you know if questions naturally start to to come in more, again, then the mailbag will also come back. That's another thing that you know I will do it if you want it, um, which is the case with most stuff really. If you you know if you want to see a particular 40k faction painted, or if you want to see a particular AOS mini painted, if you want to donate minis to the channel, if you want to see this change of direction for the podcast or you know you think that this would be a good thing to go on patreon always open to these suggestions always want to hear them because at the end of the day it's only through corroboration of several of those suggestions that you're able to then go oh yeah no no this is definitely a thing that people want i should do this thing you know so it's it's very helpful to me um and therefore it's very welcome always 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 so with all of that said folks it is time for me to get out of here now uh, i think we've gone eh, probably about an hour and 20 would be my guess maybe i don't know because I, I filmed this in separate sections so i have to sort of mentally math what it all adds up to but i hope it was a fun time for you i hope you've enjoyed sitting down and chatting i hope that you won't let the fear take you over in the hobby and that you will express your freedom to hobby openly and to the utmost of your ability because that's where all the fun is that's where all the good stuff is like i think you can tell how excited oils have made me uh, it might not necessarily be oil paints for you it could be anything it could be a third party brand of accessories it could be a 3d printer it, you know i really want a 3d printer really really want to get into 3d printing i've actually got a space over on my shelves over there that would be perfect for a 3d printer and a washing station but we ain't got the money for that yet folks we ain't got the money for that yet but it'll come it'll come 3d printing will definitely add another dimension to the channel as well because it'll, it'll bring in some you know some new little things that i can do anyway it is time for me to get out of here so thank you so much for joining me if you are listening to this audio only remember that you can subscribe to my patreon for as little as one american dollar a month to unlock the video version as well as access to my patreon discord which will enable you to potentially play warhammer 40k with me uh, and a bunch of other great bonuses as well so do check out the patreon do check out the youtube youtube.com slash c slash that mr shy and uh, i will see you folks next weekend for another issue of my big fat mouth